got an extra hour of sleep. Come on. Yeah, you should be more excited than that. That's right. tell me was when they started church, it gets even faster than that. And so our lives have intertwined for the last uh, 19 months now, and it has been a wild, wild ride. So uh, we're so glad that you are a part of that ride this morning. As the new month begins, November 1st, I want to invite everyone, November 4th, the first Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, November, my wife said they're going to have it. First Sunday in November, we every month we offer um, what we call my refuge, and uh, my refuge is what we offer to help you make this house your home. Like we believe that that the church is the hope of the world for today. That Jesus is the hope of the world. That the church is the the way that that God uses that to reach the world today. And we believe that every person should be a part of the church. And so. Um, in order to make this house your home, we've given you uh, a very easy step, and that is My Refuge. So today, My Refuge starts at 11.45 in our little classroom. It's the second to last classroom downstairs. You can walk out. It's on your right. It's in the high school uh, alumni conference room. And um, we just want to invite you there to, to be a part of what we call My Refuge. Um, because we believe that, that we want everyone to make this house their home because um, there's no place like home, right? And so um, let me see if I can do, do that. So the last three weeks, it's my home. And then next week, we talk about my place. And so what we'll talk about there is how you fit in to your home. And then we'll talk about my foundation and what they mean. So every three weeks, um, snacks and child care are provided. this guy come in, and I said, I said the name Jesus, and as soon as I said the name Jesus, he goes, whoop, and he walks right back out of the auditorium. This guy pivoted so fast, and uh, walked right out, and I just absolutely love the opportunity that you gave us proclaim the name of Jesus in this place um, as, as people come in. So um, next week, because of the craft fair, we're going to have to pivot 
ourselves a little bit. Um, we'll be entering in the auditorium through this entrance from here next week instead of this one back here. Um, when you pull up, uh, just look for the big welcome banner, uh, that our new welcome banner. By the way, doesn't that look great? It looks really nice outside if you guys uh, saw it. Yeah. Um, thank you for that one person. I'm really excited about the welcome banner. Look for the welcome banner. Come on in that door, and uh, we'll, we'll do our best to lead you and guide you. So, uh, But I just want to let you know that things are going to look a little bit different next week. All right, so uh, your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we've been. Uh, we're going to get into that in just a moment. Today we are finally wrapping up this series about money, and all God's people said amen, right? Like we're tired of talking about money. I don't know, maybe it's just me because I'm the one doing all the talking. But uh, we're, ta- we're, we're wrapping up a series that's been a money series talking about how we, how we handle God's money uh, in our own lives. And so uh, our series has been called In God We Trust with a question mark because we say In God We Trust on the back of our money, but oftentimes we don't say it in our lives. And the goal is to, to, get, to, to challenge you and challenge all of us to live our lives like we really do trust God with our lives, like we really do trust God with every area of our lives, including our money. And those of you that are visiting, I want you to know that we don't always talk about money. The reason we talk about money is because we believe that God has a plan for all of our lives, and a part of that plan, he spells out in his word, all of that plan he spells out in his word, but a part of that includes our money. And so... In order to be in full obedience to God, we want to challenge everyone to obey him in every area of our lives. So week one, we talked about how money is the one area of our lives that we can actually prove that we trust God. Like there are a lot of things in our lives. Like, like we, we say, you know, God, I trust you with my kids. But it's really hard to prove that we trust God with our kids. Except just to let them do whatever they want to. Whoa going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So we can prove that we trust God with our money by letting it go. We're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. But the second thing that we, so the second week, last week, um, we talked about a new perspective when it comes to looking at our money. A lot of us are looking at our money like like we need to have money to pay the bills. We need to have money um, to, um, to get rich, right? Some of us look at money that way. But the fact of the matter is, is that God wants us to look at our money in a way as an avenue to change the world for him. And so when we start to look at our money in, in, a, in a godly perspective, we realize what we have isn't ours. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. Because today we're going to talk about a lot of the things that cause us to get into, um, into financial trouble. Um, this is something, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning. Adam, Pastor Adam Hill is preaching to himself today, right? It's, it's not that I'm in financial trouble, but it's things that I need to work on in my own personal life. Because what I've noticed about money is the way we, we handle our money a lot of times influences how we look at it. And so a lot of times, um, things that we do with our money create these things called habits. We all have habits when it comes to our money. In fact, um, my pastor, uh, he, he tells me all the time, he says, he says, Adam, I want you to know, like, never preach out of desperation. Never, never lead out of desperation. Don't talk about money because you need money in your church. Ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to announce that we don't need money today. We God has provided and, and has allowed us to start a church that is is almost 100% self-reliant on what you guys give in just 19 months. That is unheard of. Normally, churches that are started take at least five years before they're operating off of a tithe and offering of the people. But, um, but we've been able to do it in, in just 19 months. It's insane what God has been, allowed us to do. I'm not talking about money today because we need your money. I'm talking about money today because God wants your heart. And he knows 
that if you're going to have your heart, it's hard for you to find it. And so um, my pastor says, don't preach out of desperation. Don't, don't, don't talk about it like you need it. He says to be proactive and not reactive, right? So we want to be proactive and not reactive in our life. Um, we want to just do our best to obey God. And so that's, that's why we, we spent the last, the last two weeks and today So I've got a lot of habits in my life. Um, one habit that I've always kind of gone in and out of is the habit of, of taking care of my temper, right? Like we, we've gone in and out of that, that habit a lot. Some of you are like, you know, I wish I could, I could take care of my body a lot, a lot better than what I do. Um, I've recently tried to develop the habit of running, which is really insane. It's stupid as it sounds. I'm, I'm actually developing that habit because I did something really stupid and I took, signed up for a 5K on, on Thanksgiving uh, morning. So um, I, I'm stuck. Like, that doesn't deserve that. But, um, but I'm, I'm going to try to run 3.12 miles on, by, on Thanksgiving morning before I go and indulge in some turkey and pie and all that good stuff. Um, but I'm trying to develop that habit. But in order for me to develop that habit, I have to get out and run. I have to get out and do things. It requires work to develop that habit. Another habit that I have that I really don't like is I, I tend to um, clean my mail. I, I, I clean my mailbox. My wife hates it. I hate it. I move it on. Right? I'm not going to talk about that anymore. We all have habits that we, that we have in our lives, that, habits that we, we may like and habits that we Charles Glidge, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but he's a reporter for the New York Times. He wrote a book called The Power of, of the Habit, The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and in Business. And this is, this is what's interesting about what, what Mr. Glidge says. He says that 40 to 45% of the things that we do in everyday life seem like we're making decisions, but in fact they are say that the importance of habits in companies, um, he talks about the importance of habits in companies, which is important for us to understand as a church that we are setting up habits today for tomorrow. If we're setting up habits in our, in our, in our church life, that's why we, again, that's why we talk about fun, is to start with habits as a church plant. Like we want to start the foundation of living obediently to God in our everyday life, including our finances. And so we have to do that. Um, when it comes to habits with our money, we all develop those as well. Uh, like, for example, um, my favorite one. Let's see, I, I wrote a few, a few down. Uh, not my favorite one. This one's not my favorite. I'm going to get to my favorite one next. But credit cards, we develop habits when it comes to credit cards in our life. We don't have the money, so we take our credit card out to buy something that we want, and we charge it because we really, really want it, but we don't have the money to do it. So we develop the habit of using our credit card to back up our debt. That's a bad habit when it comes to money. Dave Ramsey would probably say that too. favorite one is impulse buys, like going out and, and just, just buying something because uh, you see it, it looks good, you want it, you buy it. That's, that's one that I struggle with. My favorite impulse buy, you ready for this? My wife and I were just talking about this the other day. My favorite impulse buy is Starbucks. Who plans to go to Starbucks? Like, who plans on buying a non-fat white chocolate mocha with extra whip? Like, I don't plan on doing that. But we do it. Like, like we, we go to Starbucks. And, and maybe, maybe you do Starbucks. Maybe, maybe you're just, again, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Another one that we do when it comes to our money is um, uh, re 
retail therapy is. Okay? Retail therapy. And so, uh, you know what retail therapy is? It's when you get really stressed out, so you go shopping. Right? So, like, you get really stressed out, you go shopping, and you buy something to make you feel so much better. And then you go to Starbucks because you want the Starbucks. Right? Do you understand? So, if we're not careful with all these habits, when it comes to spending, what happens is our habits with our spending influence our generosity. Our habits with our spending influences our generosity and our um, ability to give. And what happens is we allow the habit of fear to influence how we give our money. And if we're not careful, the habit of fear influences how generous we are. Because here's what it looks like. I can't see my future. I don't know if, I don't know if my well pump is going to go out tomorrow. But I do know how much money I'm going to get paid this week. And so what happens is we put our faith in what we see instead of what we don't see. And we operate based on the fear of not having enough. And so oftentimes in our lives, we operate based on on sight and not based on faith. And again, that's why the church is talking about money. Because it's about faith. It's not about fear. It's about choosing faith over fear. Some habits that influence our generosity are habits like, like fear, habits like worry, habits like debt. I'm sorry, the doubt. See how that one got in there? But we rack up the debt that causes us to, to not to give. Habits like greed. The thing that it's going to require to break the habits in my life when it comes to my finances is the same thing that it's going to take for me to stop biting my dang fingernails. Hard work. It's going to take hard work for us to, to get over relying on our fear, allowing our fear to influence our giving. It all begins with this understanding, all of it. If we're going to live a generous life, it starts with this understanding. What I have isn't mine in the first place. What I have isn't mine in the first place. It all belongs to God. Everything that I have, I have because he gave it to me anyway. It all belongs to him. And if I can start with that foundation, then I can live a generous life. And ladies and gentlemen, let let me just say, you you could leave here today and not live a generous life. And that's fine with me. You can leave here today and not give a dime to the church. Again, this isn't about your money. But the question that I have to you is always about your heart. It's always about who has your heart. I didn't start a church to get rich off of people donating to a church. I didn't start a church to get rich off of people's donations. I started a church because God loved this world so much that he gave his only son so that we can live a life that is worthy of following him by giving him our hearts. It's not about money. It's about surrender. And so 1 Corinthians writing to this, this church that he started. It's called the church in Corinth. He, start, he, he started this, this church in a town called Corinth, just like if Paul started a church in Wyndham today, it would be called the church in Wyndham, the church of Wyndham. And so the Apostle Paul is, is writing to this church in Corinth, and he's telling them about this other church that had been started that was being generous. And he's saying I want you to learn from this church called Macedonia. And let me just say that as 
we've started this church, this, listen, this isn't all my, my brain power. This isn't all my wife and I being super creative people and, and starting this church and, and how it all looks. We just copy other churches. We copy other churches because that's the biblical model. Like, like the Apostle Paul is telling the church in Corinth, copy what Macedonia is doing, especially when it comes to their generosity. And he's telling them about this church in Macedonia. And as he's telling them about the church in Macedonia, he's telling them about their generosity. That was intentional, by the way. I didn't plan that. Sorry about that. I was just making sure you were awake. The reason Paul is talking about the church in Macedonia is because they're known for their generosity. Here's the thing about generosity. Generosity doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. Accidental generosity isn't a thing. It doesn't work that way. It has to be intentional and it has to be planned out. Being intentional with what God has placed in our hands is when we're generous. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to read verse 1 through 5. You can follow along on the screen. Or if you have a cell phone and you have a Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app is what we use. And it can tell you how to get to our notes. You can follow right along right there. I, I go in, I put all my notes on there so that you can follow along with me today. 2 Corinthians 8, five, 1 through 5 says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the church of Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in which rich generosity. Verse 3. Now I can testify that they have that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the to the believers in Jerusalem. We talked about that last week, and we're going to talk about verse five today. Verse five says they even did more than they than we had hoped. They even did more than we had hoped. For they, their first action was they gave themselves to the Lord and to us as God wanted them to do. Two things that we see that Paul says the Macedonians did. The first thing is they gave themselves to the Lord. That was number one. Then number two was they gave themselves to to us. They gave themselves to what was going on in Macedonia. When I read this, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I'm reminded, I'm reminded about some words that Jesus said when he was asked this question. Jesus, what is the first and greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like, love your neighbor as yourself. What Paul is saying is, is that the church in Macedonia has found a way to connect the greatest commandment with their money. He says they're loving God, they've given themselves to God, and they're giving themselves to us. Our money goes right along with the greatest commandments of love God and love people. They go together. And so later on in chapter 9, verses 6 through 9, he says this, Paul writes, continues, and he says this. Remember this, the farmer who plants with only a few seeds will get small crops, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7, you, mu you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Ladies and gentlemen, this message is not to pressure you today. It's not to pressure you today. We're not going to take up an offering at the end of the service to make sure that you're all obeying Jesus today. That's not what we're doing. But there are black boxes that do extra color for us. Continue. Let me read verse 7 again. You must each decide in your own hearts how much to give, and don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Remember, it's about your heart. The reason the Apostle Paul talks about giving cheerfully is because you, cheer comes out of the heart. And God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything that you need with plenty left over to share with others. 
have more than you need if when you let it go. Verse 9, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Ladies and gentlemen, generosity is a legacy decision. Generosity is a legacy decision, meaning if you want to leave a legacy, live generously. You want your money to, out, I don't know about you, but I want my money to outlive me. And ladies and gentlemen, that is not done by getting more money. You don't leave money behind by getting all the money that you can in this life. You leave money behind by being generous. Generosity is a legacy decision. So today I want to give you just three words, just three words that will help you and help me develop the habit of generosity in our lives. Just three words. The first word, the word is surrender. It all starts with surrender. I've told you this in the, in the, during this, this series. We've called this a money series, but ladies and gentlemen, this is not a money series. This is a surrender series. It's about surrendering our hearts. Again, verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For their first action was they gave themselves to the Lord. That's the first thing they did. It was their first action. You know who understood this principle? Um, a guy in the Bible by the name of King David. King David was uh, Israel's youngest king. And um, he was the one that fought Goliath, right? He was the one that fought Goliath. And um, he understood this principle in First Corinthians, First Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine, verse thirteen through sixteen. You don't have to turn there; it'll be on the screen. King David is praying. He said, "Oh, our God, we thank you and praise you, your glorious name. But who am I, and who are my people? Who am I, and who are my people? Like, who am I, and who is my team? Like, our team, we're nothing." He goes on, "That could give anything to you. Everything that we, everything that we have, has come from you." And we give you only what you gave us first, what you first gave us, verse 15. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land of our ancestors were, were as us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. O oh Lord our God, even this material that we have gathered to build this temple to honor your name comes from you. It all belong to you. David understood that generosity was a legacy decision, and he understood that it belonged to God in the first place. Even what we used to honor God was his in the first place. But for some reason, it's hard for us to understand this concept. It's hard for us to understand that the money that we have doesn't belong to us at all in the first place. It's, it's, it's God's. And, you know, I think I, I figured out this last week as I was preparing for this message. I think I figured out why we struggle that our money is ours. Think about it. You go into work tomorrow morning, mo most of you, some of you, not all of you, probably have a badge that you use to swipe in to let them know that you're there. What does that badge have on it? What does the badge have on it? Your name. Right? Has your name your employee ID, and it lets them know that you're there. And then you work the week, and at the end of the week, or halfway through the, the month, or however you get paid, you receive a paycheck with your name on it. And then you go and you put that check with your name on it into an account with your name on it. And then you take a card that has your name on it to spend the money. So it's easy to understand why we think that the money is ours. But ladies and gentlemen, God gave you the job to get the money that you have in your bank account. God gave you the breath that you breathe. God gave you the blood in your veins. God gave it to you. Therefore, I believe God wants us to live a life, surrender to him, giving it all back to him, saying, God, whatever I have is yours. But it has to start 
with giving ourselves to Him. I was thinking the other day, if um, if someone ever pulled a gun on me, God, please help no one to ever pull a gun on me. Or if someone's ever pulled a gun on you, hopefully, don't raise your hand if someone's ever pulled a gun on you. But you know exactly what you do. We all know exactly what we do. My hands are really crazy today. Second time I've done that. Third time I've done that. We all know what we do, right? Someone pulls a gun on you. What are they? Or, or maybe a, a police officer comes up behind you. Hands up, right? Hands up, don't shoot. Why you put your hands up? To show that there's nothing in there. To show that we have nothing. To surrender. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are going to surrender, we have to realize that we have nothing in our hands. Anything that we have is God's. We have to let it go. We have to put our hands up and say, God, it is yours. Starts with surrender. The only way that I can surrender is if I let it go in the first place. The Macedonians gave themselves to the Lord. So what does it mean to give anyway? What what does what Pastor Adam, like, like when you talk about giving, let's be honest, you're only talking about giving to the church, right? That's where you start. And again, let me just say, because I know that we have some people that are visiting that, that haven't heard me say this. At the Refuge Church, we have what we call a 90-day money-back guarantee. That if at the end of 90 days, if you can show that, and, and, and our records will show, that you have given to the Refuge Church for 90 days. At the end of 90 days, if you regret anything that you gave, we will give it all back. Because I realize that that trust is, is, an, is an element that prevents people from giving. But we want to remove that as much as we can. We will give you 100% back of your money. Listen, there's not many things in life to get a money back guarantee. Like you buy things at the store, and if you've had it for 30 days, guess what? It's yours. You're stuck with it. So we want to give you a 90-day money-back guarantee to, to say that you can trust us. We want to move, remove every element of trust that there possibly is. So the Macedonians gave. What does it mean that they gave? What, what does that mean? First of all, they gave. Giving is an act of worship. As we give back to God, it is an act of worship. The second thing, it is, it is an act of faith. It's an act of worship, and it is an act of faith. When we worship God, it says, it says, God, you deserve my best. God, you deserve the best thing that I have to offer. You deserve my best. But faith says, God, you'll take care of the rest. Right? God, I'll give you my best. Faith says, God will take care of the rest. He'll take care of it. It's in his hands. It's trusting him. God will honor our sacrifice when we are faithful with what we've been given. We can't just, that, that's why it's a 90-day money-back guarantee. Because he, will, he, wants, he wants to sacrifice. He wants to surrender. He wants, to, he wants us to, like, he wants to pour out his blessing when we, Surrender to him without our hearts. And so the first thing, the first word to talk that, that helps us with, with living a generous lifestyle is surrender. You want to start there. The second thing is sacrifice. The second thing is sacrifice. So um, if we're going to develop the habit of generosity in our lives, we have to understand sacrifice. Again, verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 3. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give of themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. If surrender says, it wasn't mine in the first place, then sacrifice is having it and then giving it away. Having it and then giving it away. Having it and then releasing it. Surrender says, it wasn't mine in the first place. Sacrifice says, you know what, I had it, and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to give it away. Now remember um, what we said a, a couple of, of weeks ago. 
We said that that poverty plus joy equals generosity. Poverty plus joy equals generosity. Here's what I mean by that. Poverty is simply a need. Poverty isn't broke. Poverty isn't very, very poor. Poverty is just, just a need. It doesn't matter what that need is. Poverty is having a need. But when you can have a need or when you are presented with a need and you have joy, you have the, the, the cheerful heart that God wants for us to have when it comes to giving back. Then what the attitude is that, that is resulted in that says, I can take care of that need. I will be generous to it and I will give. I will, I will give because it's not mine. It's not mine in the first place. I'm going to trust God that he's going to do what he wants to do with it. I'm going to let it go. That's what generosity is. Let it all out, buddy. Let it all out. I know. One way that we can be just like God, the Father, and just like Jesus, his son, oftentimes we talk about being like Jesus. But not often we talk about being both God the, like God the Father and God the Son. And the one way that we can do that is by giving. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And because, God, because Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice of our sin. Notice the last part of verse 5. The last part of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 5 says, Just as God wanted them to be. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to be generous. God wants us to live a generous life. Imagine with me just for a second that um, that the, the, the disciples that, that Jesus had, the followers that Jesus had, imagine with me that, that they were given this gift called the gospel, the best news, the greatest news on the planet. The news that God loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever comes to him, comes to him through Jesus, that they can be saved, that they can be right with God. They're given the greatest news of all time. You know what, let's, let's, let's just make it practical. Imagine with me someone that has the cure for cancer. I think that if we were to take a poll around this, this, this whole country, most people would say that the worst disease of all time right now in this world, the greatest, the greatest disease on our planet is cancer. The greatest disease on this planet is sin. However, let's be practical. Let's talk about the greatest need being cancer. Let's just say that someone has the, has the cure for cancer, but they just hold on to it. And they don't share with anybody. This world will be pretty upset, don't you think? This world will be very mad. I would be mad because I've had people in my lives that have been affected by cancer. I'd be more than mad. Can you imagine if they were, if they had the the the, the thing that would cure cancer and they held on to it themselves? Ladies and gentlemen, God has given us so much more than the cure for cancer. He's given us the cure for sin. The greatest disease of all time. Of all, of all time. We have it. His name is Jesus. And it's by his blood that we are healed of the disease of sin. And now we have the right to be called sons and daughters of God because of his blood. Stop hoarding the gospel. Stop hoarding God's grace. Pastor Adam, are we talking about money or are we talking about Jesus now? That's a great question. I mean, we talk about both. Because here's what God revealed to me this week. Everything that God gives us is the same. God's grace is the same as God's forgiveness. And God's forgiveness is the same as his mercy. And God's mercy is the same as our money. It's given to us, number one, 
two, the second reason why he gives us things in our life is for other people. He gives us to meet a need in our lives. He gives us to meet a need in other people's lives. And everything that God gives us is the same. To meet a need in our lives and to meet a need in other people's lives. Sorry, I'm yelling out loud today. Pastor Adam, why, why are we doing a money series in October? I'm glad you asked. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to enter into the most selfish season of the year. The holiday season. And I know that a lot of us give, and, and, and you give a lot, but let's be honest, we all receive a lot during the holidays as well. And I just believe that, that this is an antidote for what, uh, the year is about to, to bring us. I believe that this is the, something that God wants for us to talk about before the holiday season so that we make sure that our heart is right. Generosity is a sacrifice that kills the selfishness in my life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, it says, now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the church in Galatia. Verse 2, on the first day of each week, this is where Paul lays it all out. He says, on the first day of the week, you should put aside a portion of your money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Don't wait until I get, get there to collect it all at once. Do it at the beginning of the week. So here's what Paul is saying to the church of Corinth. He's saying, number one, do it at the first day of the week. What he's saying is plan on it. Plan on giving your money. What he's saying, number two, is set aside a portion. Protect the money that is mine. Set aside a portion of it and protect it. Say, you know, just... Plan on it and set it aside for a time that will be collected if you, you do that every week. And, and by the way, we make it super easy for you to protect um, your, your tithe or your, your offering because we offer 24-hour, all the time, the opportunity to give at refugeplan.church.give. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to plan on it and protect it. We believe in what's called predetermined giving. Like pray about it and think about it. Talk about it with your family. Talk about it with your wife. Don't hide it. It's, that's not what it's for. Be open to it. And so all of that brings me to number three. So first of all, we have to surrender. And then we have to sacrifice. And then finally, we have to strategize. Have a strategy when it comes to your money. And ladies and gentlemen, this is where I struggle. I'm not, I'm not the most financial savvy pastor or, or financial savvy person in my own life. But we have to strategize when it comes to our money. We utilize strategy in so many other areas of our lives. A lot of you utilize the strategy to get out of bed this morning. Come on. You got out of bed this morning because you set your alarm clock. You're not going to – what strategy does – is strategy says, I'm not just going to rely on chance that I'm going to succeed. Strategy says, I'm going to set up a plan in place. I'm going to put a plan in place so that I succeed. And so when you set your alarm clock this morning, you set up a strategy for you to get out of bed this morning. I'm so glad you did. I heard it said this last week that money is like sugar. If you don't tell it where to go, it'll wander away. That's good. So good I stole it. It's not mine. If you not if you don't tell your money where to go, it'll wander away. You gotta be strat you have to have a strategy when it comes to your your money. 
You have to have a plan. In the financial world, it's called a budget. Preach this to myself. I've got to do better with a budget for my own personal life. Finances are something that you should talk to your wife or your, your husband about. Talk to your family about. You might, generosity is the thing that you need to talk to your children about. If your kids receive a, a an allowance, then they should know how much of that money goes back to God. Talk to your, your family about a strategy to give back to Jesus. But here's why. You know why you talk to your kids about money? You know why you talk to your kids about surrender? You know why you talk to your kids about sacrifice? You know why you talk to them about strategy? Because you care about their heart. It's not about money. It's about our hearts. If God gave you if, if you're breathing, God gave you the breath to breathe. If there is blood in your veins, God put the blood there. If you got out of bed this morning, it's because God woke you up. And he gave you a new day to live for him. And it is time that we stop hoarding what God has given us. And it's time that we surrender. Do me a favor, close your eyes, bow your heads. Stand to your feet if you would, please. Stand to your feet. fact of the matter is, this isn't about your money. It's about the most important thing that you possess. Your heart. It's the most important thing that you possess because it is who you are. Jesus said, Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And that's why Jesus talked more about money than he talked about faith. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about hell. Because he knew that if he could get our money, he could have our hearts. So my question for you this morning is, what has your heart? What has your heart? Let's be honest, we have a lot of things that we give our hearts to. A lot of things that we give our hearts to. But out of all the things that we give our hearts to, there's only one thing that will save us. There's only one person that will save us. Hopefully that person is the reason why you're in this room this morning. Because you came into this room knowing that we were going to talk about God. You came, I mean, we're a church for crying out loud. You know exactly where you're at. And so... As we talk about God, I want to talk to you about what God wants. According to this book, not according to me. Don't take my word for it. Look it up in God's word. But that's my job, to tell you what God wants. And I want you to know today that he wants your heart, nothing more. He wants your heart. He wants it so much that he gave up the most valuable thing that he had, and that was his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Ladies and gentlemen, that sounds like a deal that I want to take. Because I don't know about you, but I want to live forever. I don't ever want to die. But the only way that we can live forever is by trusting the only person to ever overcome death. 
that we can live forever is by trusting in the one that has conquered death. And so that's why Jesus had to die on a cross, the most brutal death of anyone that anyone has ever had to die. But that's also why he came back to life so that we can live forever. That's why we set up every week, we, we set up this church and this school to tell you the good news. So let me ask you, who has your heart? What has your heart? How many of you would be brave enough in this moment to just raise your hand in the air and say, Pastor Adam, God does not have my heart right now. God does not have my heart right now. Is there anyone that would, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to call your name. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. I just want to know that you know that your heart is not right with God. Is there anyone like that at all? Anyone? Thank you. Anyone else? Your heart is the most valuable thing that you possess. But it's just like our money. It's just like our money. We are given more when we let it go. When we surrender it. Jesus said that I have come to give you life to the fullest. I want you to have abundant life. The only way that we can have abundant life is if we give him our heart. So if you raise your hand in the air, I want to ask you to, I want to invite you. You don't have to say this prayer. I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. Just say, God, right now, the best way I know how, I give you my heart. Challenge. God, I give you my heart. And I believe that I can do that. Jesus, who was your son, came to earth and died in my place so that I can be forgiven by you. I believe that Jesus came back to life so that I can live forever. Help me to live a new life ever changed by your son in his and my place. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want to invite you. You received a card on your way in. Just fill that out. Drop it off at our next step station on your way out. It's on the right on, on your left side, on your right side as you exit. Drop that off there. We want to we want to just help you with, with that decision and, and, and giving God your heart. And um, I just want to say thank you again. Let me remind you that uh, we have my refuge. God a hand for what he has done today. Come on. Come on. Has God been good to you? We're going to sing a song and then be dismissed.